You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Deep Dive Broadway. Given the state of the world, this is a uh, podcast that's recorded remotely. Uh, and like all of you, we can't wait to be looking at all of this in the rear view mirror. Today's very special guest is the spectacular Carrie Butler. I'm such a giant fan of Carrie's on stage and off. She's a brilliant performer and a truly extraordinary human being. You've seen her in Hairspray, Little Shop, Xanadu, Catch Me If You Can, Rock of Ages, Disaster, Mean Girls, Beetlejuice, and Carrie is the host of the hit podcast, Breaking Broadway. Let's dive in. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Can you hear me? can hear you perfectly. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Thank just you for a that great intro. So oh, nice. Well, it's so deserved. I can go on for hours. <laughs> Why don't we start out just for a moment and then let's move on from it right away. But I just, how are you doing? You, you know, the, with the challenges of all of this and being a mom and, and it's, you know, challenging for everyone, but how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, you know, I've kind of, I, I, you know, let myself be sad for a few days in the beginning. And um, cause I was supposed to, we were supposed to be on my first vacation in five years we had the whole big trip planned to Disney World and all this stuff. And so uh, and I pa- started packing like a month ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there are big things going on in the world. But I think everybody had disappointments with this. And it's okay to um, be sad for a day or two and get it out of your system. So I, I let that happen. And then I just really, really um, felt called to be still. And it's been really, really great to be present, fully present with my family and, um, you know, as actors, we're always looking for that next job and always. And, and so it's been great to, to be forced not to do that <laughs> and to take the time just to be still and to really kind of listen to what I'm supposed to learn from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then after, you know, having that time now, our vacation would have been over. So now our kids are, are back in school. And so that's a new challenge that I'm still trying to figure out. And I've been trying to make it really fun for them too and normal. And they seem good so far. It's not bothered them. Well, I know you're you're an incredible mom, but I'm sure online learning is, everyone's adjusting to that. With yes. And, and that's been working out okay? Well, it's only been two days. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so far, so good. So far, so good. We're still figuring it out. The school is still figuring it out. Um, I think next week should be uh, a little bit easier. Good, good. Well, it's it's the new normal for hopefully not not too long. But let's dive into you, um, and and let's start back in Brooklyn. And I'm so curious to know because you made your commercial debut at three years old. Yes. Oh, how did that happen? And what was the commercial? Well, my mom and my aunt both took me and my cousins into the city for commercials because they just thought, oh, we were cute and we could raise money for college. So it wasn't like they're going to be an actor. It was more about, you know, just doing this little thing while we're little. And um, I ended up loving it. And my mom stopped with everybody Everybody in my family stopped doing it when they, you know, when we went to school. And my mom wanted me to have a normal 
education, a normal childhood. And, um, and then I would beg her to let me start again. And then when I saw Annie, that was it. So then she, so I, I had a short career doing commercials from like four to five, three to five or something. And that was for tag, but I did a bunch of a few, a few commercials. And then, um, I stopped. And then once I saw Annie, I, so I've been doing it ever since then, ever since I was nine. So even though you had done commercials and so you started in front of the camera, you gravitated towards the stage after Annie? Um, definitely. But I would, but I didn't get work doing in the stage really. Um, you know, I was always putting on shows in my backyard for the neighbors and I was always, you know, directing, doing everything, forcing all the neighborhood kids to be in it. They didn't really appreciate that that much. And I did not appreciate their work ethic at all. <laughs> I was kind of a bossy director. Um, but so I always kind of, um, gravitated towards the stage, but I didn't really know that that's what I was doing. And then all of my jobs that I got from when I was nine, I had an agent, and but I never got theater jobs. I only got um, commercials. And I I booked a lot of commercials, and I ended up like being able to pay for my college with all the money I made from commercials. Um, but a lot of people think, like, oh, I have had such um, this career, you know, that I just got out of school and I just started booking Broadway. But, you know, in actuality, I had, you know, a good 10 years of rejection before that <laughs> because I was, like, I was auditioning for stuff and not getting it. I had agents tell me I would never make it. Um, you know, all of that, all, all, all of that. And my, my parents were really, really good at um, helping me to deal with rejection, I think. And do you remember some of the commercials that you did early on? Oh, yeah, I did so many. I actually a fan found the, my first commercial oh. and I was able to post it on my Instagram account. So that was, I think maybe for fab and um, like my mom picks me up in a laundry basket and, and I did um, Dixie cups. Um, some of the older ones I did like as a teenager, uh, do you remember those Stridex wipeout commercials where it was like, and everyone's wiping their faces. I did that. I did uh, bubble yum. I did so many. <laughs> so while you're doing commercials, did, did were you aware that you had this extraordinary magical voice? I knew. Yes, I knew that I had not not your <laughs> not but I knew that I had um, a gift for singing. And so I was in the community theater. I was in my high school plays. I loved singing. I really, really wanted to sing. I really want. Oh, and also I did. I did go up for Annie. I did go to the open call and made it to the final callbacks, but I didn't make it. So, so I had always wanted to do it always. Um, but I, and so then since I didn't make it on Broadway, I just took whatever I could. I was doing the community theater. I was doing cabaret in the city. Um, anything, anything, anybody that would take me, I would perform for free. <laughs> well, let's go back for a second to your directing career <laughs> in the neighborhood. What, <laughs> what shows were you putting on? Um, I was putting on my own productions of jukebox musicals, actually, uh, mainly Olivia Newton-John or Donna Summer. <laughs> and were you directing and starring? And choreography. I'm doing choreography, which is very scary if anyone knows that I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> well, do you have do you have any pictures of these productions? Do you have any? Because we'd, oh, we'd love to post them. Oh, maybe I, I have to ask my parents. They would be the ones that have them. I don't, I don't even know if they, they took pictures of them. They were like in my backyard in the dark. I think we charged like 25 cents for the neighbors. And sometimes someone would throw in a dollar and be like, oh my gosh, a dollar. <laughs> so while you're doing commercials and you're, you're bossing around the neighborhood kids, were you also starring in school shows? My grammar school didn't have uh, much theater. My high school was an all-girls school. And so I auditioned for the boys' school, and I started being in their school. I think when I was a freshman, actually, I started being the leads in their school. So uh, that was because, you know, usually when you're a freshman, you don't get the leads in, in your show. So that was cool that I got to go to the boys' school. And, and so every single year I was, you know, the lead in the boys' school. In their high school show. Well done. And and when you, it was time to think about college, you had spent basically your entire life raising 
<clears throat> the uh, tuition money, which is so impressive. Uh, so were you very focused on going to a school uh, for musical theater? I was. And I also, I grew up in Brooklyn, so I've always been in the city. And I thought, I kind of want that college experience. And I want a campus. And I want to see what life is like outside of the city. And so I went to Ithaca, and I loved it. And it was just such a great experience for me, Some what I really needed. I mean, there there isn't any other experience like that where you're really just immersed in theater and you do everything and you get to do all these shows all the time and so many opportunities to learn different styles, comedy, drama, and then also do all the stuff behind the scenes, you know, work on the costumes, learn the lighting. So I, I loved it. What was your standout production, your favorite thing that you did in college? I think maybe Anything Goes. I played... Um, the Bonnie and I think that was the first time I knew that I was I could be funny and my teacher Susanna Berryman is the one who cast me in that show and believes that I could be funny <laughs> so did that change uh what you ended up auditioning for after that you just kind of pivoted and really focused on that area or you continued to audition for all sorts of different things you focused in? I I definitely uh, continue to audition for everything, but I feel like it was a turn when I found out that I could be funny. Yeah. And, you know, that's, um, I don't know, it's something, it's good to, to get your foot in the door to um, figure out what you're best at and what will be your best way to get into that door. And so I think that was what I figured out. And then sure enough, my first show outside of college, I played Ado Annie in Oklahoma. Ah. So, so it kind of confirmed that, okay, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be funny. <laughs> Definitely. So when you think about even the neighborhood productions, you think about um, the shows that you did in at the boys high school and the, uh, your college productions, the, the feeling of community, the feeling of, of a team working on something, it's, uh, it, would you say that it's really, very similar just in terms of those same uh, feelings and, and the camaraderie that you have doing a Broadway show? Yeah. I mean, you definitely form a family with your Broadway show and I love that. And I love how the whole Broadway community is such a family. I love all of the fundraising that we do, the Broadway cares, the flea markets. Um, I just, I think all of that is so wonderful and special when I'm not in a Broadway show and I walk, you know, in Broadway and on those streets, I, I always think about the community. That's the part that I miss the most when I'm not working. I think, oh, I wish I was a part of this right now. <laughs> and I try to not take for granted every time I walk through the stage door, I look at the sign and think, oh, I'm going into a Broadway stage door. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about what you're doing on behalf of the community with your podcast a little later, but Let's talk, you started to talk about your first show uh, after college, which was Oklahoma. And you also did tours of Beauty and the Beast and uh, Les Mis. Could you tell us some stories about those experiences? Um, well, Oklahoma was actually my only tour. Uh, my other shows were all out of town, sit downs. Mm -hmm. But um, Oklahoma was crazy. Uh, so that was... And it was wonderful because it was my first job. And, you know, most college kids, they want to spend a year going through Europe, backpacking through Europe. And I got this show and I was going, it was a European tour, bus and truck tour, going all through Germany mainly. And then we went to Italy and um, a few other places. But it was mainly through Germany. We did the whole show in English, except for Oklahoma, Dinafeld, Vegan, Zick and Vind. We learned Oklahoma in three different languages, that one song. Wow. And... But it was kind of crazy doing um, a comedy in Germany because the audience loved it, but they did not get the jokes. <laughs> and, and so it was kind of strange in that way. And then the crazy part was um, all of this stuff happened. So you're on the bus. The bus becomes your home. You know, you post your pictures of your loved ones on your window. Um, all of your stuff is on board because you pack up your suitcase. Every day you go to the hotel, unpack, put your suitcase back on the bus drive to the next spot. It was a lot of one-nighters. So 
we would sometimes drive all night, get to the hotel, do a sound check, whatever, perform that night, then get back on the bus. And our bus was stolen. <laughs> what? Yeah, our bus was stolen and with all of our stuff on board. So that was crazy. Where were and you when that happened? I guess we were in the hotel. And in what city? Had, oh, definitely in Germany. I don't they all blur together, but it was definitely in Germany. And so we had to, you know, they gave us some insurance money. We had to buy everything new. But some people had, you know, their parents had passed away. They had photo albums on there that they lost. And so it was very uh, sad for some people. Um, and then later we found out that some kids took it for a joyride and they found it with all our stuff on it. Oh, my gosh. A few months later. Um, so that was one thing. Um, another thing was this was before cell phones, before everyone had a cell phone. And we would forget people sometimes on the pee breaks. <laughs> like, oh, no. And yeah, we were supposed to have a buddy system where we would check in with our buddy every time we after we come back from the bathroom. You check to make sure your buddy was there. And somehow, like one or two times, somebody wasn't didn't make it back. And then they were stranded at a pit stop in Germany with no way to get to the next theater. Oh my gosh, and no way to reach them to, to no. say, oh. No, it was crazy. And so then they would have to figure out a way to, I don't even know how they did it, but they did end up taking a train to meet us at our next place. Um, but so crazy stuff like that would happen. I ended up at, oh, we went through so many different curlies. They all, I don't know, were unhappy and they would leave. <laughs> And so it was so it was a great first experience because it kind of set me up to be ready for anything. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. And then towards the end of the run, I ended up losing my voice. So oh, I literally no. couldn't say no anymore because I ended up getting vocal cords on my nose, <laughs> on my, on my nose, on my vocal cords. And then I was in Italy at that point and seeing a doctor and I couldn't understand what he was saying. But uh, luckily... I um, didn't speak for a month and then I was fine. And and then I just really, I wasn't belting correctly and I was screaming a lot. So then I, re since then, I'm glad that that happened because then I learned how to be really, really careful with my voice. So did you go home for that time or did you, did you? I went home. Yeah. Because I couldn't sing anymore. <laughs> yeah. I thought, okay, now it was a good excuse to go to like Lake Cuomo and. <laughs> no, I wish. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was scared though. Yeah. You know, I was, I was scared that I was never going to be able to sing again. And, but you, they held the place and you had an understudy that went on for the month. No, I left then. Because you left. Was only, it was, it was towards the end of the tour. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had to go. Yeah. Because I had to be on vocal rest for like a month anyway. Oh my gosh. So after Oklahoma, mm -hmm. what happened next? Then, um, I started working with my agent in New York and, um, I found out that Blood Brothers, which I had seen in England, and I absolutely loved it. I saw it three times in England, and I heard it was coming to Broadway, and so I called these new agents, and I said, oh, you know, I'm perfect for this show. You know, they were kind of like, who are you? But um, <laughs> they somehow, I still don't know how this happened, but they somehow got me into the, the final callback almost four blood brothers like i didn't just go in for the casting director i went in for the full team and i remember bill kenwright i don't know if you know him sure sure he, he is the producer and i sang i just want to be a star from nonsense and when i finished he said carrie i think you will be and um and then i had a call back later that day and i went in for the callback and so that one was in a big room this the callback was in a smaller room and it wasn't as many people. And I was so excited because I loved this show so much. I finished my callback and I said, I just have to tell you, I love this show so much. I don't care whether I get in it. I just, I'm so excited to see it every single day. And then I got cast as the swing and I did get to see it every single day. <laughs> did you did you get to go on? <clears throat> um, well, after I did get to go on, definitely. But then after six months, I got moved up into the part, too. So then I was on all the time. But I, it was so crazy because I got to see it. Stephanie Lawrence was who I saw playing it in England. And then I got to play do it with her on Broadway. So that was surreal. And I saw Con O'Neill. And I mean, all the people that I saw on broad on, in the West End, I'm then, like, working with them. 
uh, and this, the understudy situation, because I was, since I was an understudy, it was um, interesting where if one person was out, everybody moved up. So like if Stephanie Lawrence, who played the lead, if she was out, then the person who played the other mom moved into Stephanie's part and the person who played the other mom moved into her. So it was like a rotating thing where everybody changed. If one person was out, everybody changed their roles. Oh my gosh. What was it like? You had to know every part, right? You had to know. I had to know the, um, I guess like it wasn't that hard because there weren't that many parts that I covered. I covered maybe there was one person who played a bunch of different parts and then I understudied Linda, which I never got to go on for. And uh, I love that part so much. Uh, but so when I went on, I feel like it was only one track because the person that I was understanding. Oh, so I had to, yeah, I had to understudy a few parts, but you know, like <clears throat> swings and musicals normally have to understudy like eight people. Right. And I didn't have to do that. I only had to, maybe three people. I had to know their tracks. So it was pretty easy and just fun to come up with because because everybody everyone I understand played a lot of different parts so it was fun to come up with um different characters for all those parts and sometimes you find out two seconds before you go on that you're going on right and so you yes. get in that zone and you, since you have so many tracks in your head is that hard to just get get where you need to go mentally to be able to jump into that character yeah it's definitely nerve-wracking I would say uh, I mean, I loved every second of it, but there is sometimes in, in that show too, like sometimes our lead would not decide whether or not she was going to call out or, or, or go on. And it would, it, so it would be like waiting on pins and needles to find out whether you were actually going on or not. Um, but I think for other people, again, I, I do think that there's a certain, um, mindset for being a swing and some people are just brilliant at it and that is what they're meant to do because they're super organized and they're great under pressure I don't know whether I'm that person but I I did a good job when I did (laughs) (laughs) well how great to have that experience and you you know I just I so deeply appreciate swings it's incredible what they do it's incredible yes it's mind-boggling I I couldn't begin I just, <laughs> so after, after that amazing experience, uh, then you did, um, the sit down of beauty. Yes. Uh, then I got Unibeast in Toronto mm-hmm. and I had auditioned for it for the Broadway replacement. And they said that, um, I was probably going to get it, but then I had my dance call <laughs> and they were like, um, she needs a little bit more time. <laughs> so and it actually turned out great because when you're put into a show, you only have 10 days. And when you get, and I got to originate the show in this Toronto production, which is amazing. I love Toronto so much. And, you know, I got to do all the press for Beauty and the Beast. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have traded that for anything. And then I ended up going back and doing it on Broadway for over a year. Yeah, I saw you. So, I remember, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, you did Les Mis. Yes, then I did Les Mis on Broadway just for a few months, and I loved that. That was another one that I loved from my childhood, and I also auditioned for that when I was 16 and didn't get it, uh, and so then it was great to be able to play that part. And and to finally make it on Broadway, you know, obviously given the kid that you were, that was a complete dream. What was, do you remember some of the first emotions uh, that you had, just like, oh my gosh, this is Broadway, this is where I-, I do. I remember opening night of blood brothers, even though I was the swing, they let the swings go on for that final number. Um, and I just remember standing on the Broadway stage and thinking, I made it, I'm here, I'm on Broadway and just being so, um, emotional and excited and happy. Yeah. And especially in a show that I loved so much. Yeah. And that, and I still, I still feel that I still feel so lucky. And stepping into those iconic roles and Beauty and the Beast and Les Mis, uh, the, how did how did that work for you in terms of being able to to own it as Carrie, you know, and create your own characters? So I don't go back and watch the shows uh, or the movies or TV shows that these actors were in. I just kind of try and channel them from memory, and that way I can make them my own. And then once I do, once I have my own take on it, then I will go back and watch 
and see what I could steal from the original people. <laughs> uh, are you, did you work in, in either any of those shows, Blood Brothers or um, uh, Les Mis uh, or Beauty with people that you continue to work with today, you know, people, friendships that you formed back then? Yes, definitely. Um, well, Les Mis, I just missed David Josephsberg, who's in Beetlejuice with me now. But we, I worked with all the same people that he worked with during Les Mis. So I don't know how we missed each other, but we knew all the same people. Um, and <clears throat> Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I just did a concert with Steve Blanchard, who was my beast for a little while and still does a lot of Disney shows. And so we got to do this concert in Disney World, which was amazing. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Beth Fowler, I did, I did Beauty and the Beast with her and, and she still works all the time. So yeah, I, I've run into the people from the shows all the time, all the time that I've worked with. And I actually still see some of the people from Canada. When did Bat Boy happen? Bat Boy was just such a cool show. You were amazing. When Yeah, Bat Boy mix- was the thing that kind of put me on the map. Because when you replace, you don't get that much like mm-hmm. notoriety. And when it's it's you really, really want to originate roles and Bat Boy came, I think, shortly after Les Mis. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah, that was an amazing experience. Uh, so fun and so great to get to create that part and be a part of something that was kind of a cult phenomenon. <laughs> yes. And when you're creating an original role and you've created so many, what is how is your process different than when you're stepping into a part that's been that's already established? I think you rely a lot on the director and the writers uh, to steer you and guide you uh, because you really want to be doing, you want to make it your own, but you also want to be true to their vision. And, you know, we're not seeing the big picture when we're inside it. I remember Bat Boy, I had no idea what that was. It seemed like the craziest thing ever. I had no idea whether it was good. I just... I went by other people who had, I'd never seen any part of it. I'd never seen a workshop or anything. And people told me, my agents told me, this is going to be really good. This is this, I saw the workshop of this. It's hilarious. And so I was kind of just trusting those people because when we were in it, it seemed crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely funny, but you know, it's so out there. <laughs> it is. You're like, you yeah. have no idea how the audience is going to take it. But so I, I would imagine that was fun to perform. That was it was really, really fun. Yeah, it really it was. And also it was fun. I, I think, you know, uh, Beetlejuice audience is kind of like the bad boy audience where the audience got so into it. They would do the dance moves. They wherever outside they would have fans. They would dress up um, as the characters. So it was it was really fun in that way. That is so great. But then you went on and you've, you've done so many, created so many iconic roles, you know, and, and uh, that have your, your stamp all over them. I mean, Penny Pinkleton, my gosh, you know, how did that all happen? They saw me in Bat Boy. Uh-huh. And so they had already, it's always nice when you go into the room and you feel like, oh, they already know who I am and like me. Uh, and, but I, I, I did audition for the workshop and um, I made up my song to be very much like Penny Pingleton. And I acted like Penny Pingleton kind of when I went into the room and they were laughing a lot. And, and they spoke to me afterwards about how they loved how I created kind of a whole scene. Um, going, and, and I got it right, right after that. And so it was amazing. That was like, you know, a, a life changing experience just to be a part of a show like that. That was such a huge hit. And with all of those people and then to be in the show that, every single celebrity wants to see and wants a piece of it was, it was incredible. And we all love each other so much. We just saw each other oh. for Margot Lyons Memorial and yes, of course. everybody showed up and, you know, we all loved her and are so grateful to her. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's nice that we have all stayed really close. Did you know, I, I mean, I remember when the show was in Seattle and the buzz in New York, for that show was so huge. You know, the anticipation of it coming in. Did you know, like right off the bat in Seattle, this is going to be a big hit? That show, you know, in the rehearsals and everything, it felt magical. It felt like it was going to be a big hit. 
but I didn't know how big until Seattle. And I think we might have gotten a standing ovation after the first number. <laughs> wow. And, and also, I had one of the first lines in the show. Like, it starts out with Tracy in bed, and then we go running across the stage. And I didn't even know that my lines were that funny, <laughs> where you just hear this huge laughter from the audience. Um, so it was, it was really fun. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. After Hairspray, Little Shop, Xanadu, right? And and Xanadu... um, did you already, were you already a proficient roller skater? No. Um, <laughs> I had done the workshops for Xanadu, which obviously we did not have to roller skate. <laughs> they were just staged, they were just staged readings. And then I was going to be replaced and um, with a star. And then uh, that star pulled out and they came back to me. And I was uh, at my parents' house in Florida with my husband and, uh, my husband remembers me on the phone being like, oh, can you, can you roller skate? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can roller skate. My husband, I got off the phone. He's like, what, did you just tell them that you could roller skate? And he's like, we've been married, you know, forever. And I've never seen you roller skate. And I was like, well, I used to go to roller skating birthday parties all the time when I was little. So yeah, I can roller skate. And, you know, I didn't really realize that they meant like do tricks and all this stuff. And so then I had to go into like boot camp roller skating it was crazy hard I mean, that show was definitely the hardest thing I've ever had to do because even for the first week of rehearsal I, I was almost fired because I couldn't Chris I, I couldn't I couldn't think about acting I had to tell Chris Ashley the director I was like I can't even think about acting right now because all I can think about is push off on this foot stop with this foot <laughs> And then I would have roller skating lessons on my lunch to try and catch myself up. It was crazy. And then during the show, it's like if there was anything on stage, everyone had jewels on their costumes. And if a jewel fell off and landed on the stage, that could propel you into the audience. Oh, my gosh. So it was so scary. (laughs) Well, I think it's so full circle, too, because when you think about the neighborhood productions and you're playing Olivia Newton-John, you know, and here you are on Broadway stepping into that role. Absolutely. She was definitely a role model, a huge role model growing up. And yeah, I was really nervous. She came to opening night. I was really nervous, but she loved it and was so kind. Oh, I love that. That's great. And um, did are you still roller skating? Is that something that's part of? I do still roller skating. Okay, good. Um, I'm not doing it on this break because my husband is like, we can't do anything that could possibly get us into the hospital right now. You know, so we're not, <laughs> we're not taking any chances. I think that's really, really smart. Uh, and Little Shop, how did you, you know, uh, in, I'm so curious, you know, working opposite a plant. What, was, that a, <laughs> was that a challenging experience? I love that show so much. You were amazing. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, it was really fun. Uh, it, it, I think the hard part about that show was that um, – Jerry Zachs had his own take on it and it was different than the off-Broadway production. And so some people, you know, loved that, embraced that. And and then people were always going to compare me to Ellen Green, which was hard. And I wasn't doing, you know, it was a very different production, much, much more real. And that's what, you know, we wanted. Uh, so I think that was the hardest part. Working with the plant was uh, lovely. <laughs> Plant was not a diva at all. In fact, um, my husband's a puppeteer, as you know. Yes. And 
many of the volunteers I knew already because they were on Sesame Street. So it was it was really, really fun to get to work with them. And my favorite part was at the end of the show, the plant would come out over the audience and I was hanging out of the plant's mouth (laughs) and my legs were dangling over the audience. This is when the plant is eating me. And all I, I, I'm not harnessed in or anything. This was before kids, before I like cared, cared about living. (laughs) (laughs) And all that was holding on was a a bar inside the plant's mouth. And I was just holding onto this bar. So if anything happened and I let go, I would have fallen on top of the audience. Wow. (laughs) It's amazing how your, your view on life and living changes when you have kids. It's just, yes. (laughs) Everything yes, now the slightest thing I do in Beale, I'm like, oh, I'm, I need to be behind it. Behind it. <laughs> Nothing ever happened, right? In in, 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 in Little Shop. When in you Little Shop, no. Nothing nothing bad happened in Little Shop. <laughs> okay, good. No, no shoe falling off or anything like that. Um, I think I already had my shoes off. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we prepared for that. We prepared for that. Good. Yeah. I'm sure that would have been difficult to digest for the plants, so So catch me if you can. You're back in Seattle, right? That you did the out of town there. That must have been. Yeah. And, and, uh, oh my gosh, I listen to that cast album all the time. Uh, it's so great. And so great. Yeah. And, uh, so underrated, uh, underrated, and a, and a true story too. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. He was involved, uh, the, the whole time. He's very Frank Abagnale Jr. He was very much involved in the show and loved it and would come and bring people and uh, was helping, you know, write it and make sure it's accurate. Yeah, I went to I went to a a talk back after uh, the show that he gave and it just I had to after hearing his his real story, had to go back and see it again. So for anybody listening to this, you know, it, it. he he wrote a book, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, so I you should you should look into the real story and then go back and listen to the cast album and and uh, it just adds a whole other layer to it. Um, but uh, it's so good. Um, Did you see it in Seattle or on Broadway? I saw it on Broadway. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. we had Terrence McNally was our writer in Seattle. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, that must have been great working with him. It was. It was. Mm. Uh. Now, you know, when you think about Belle and you think about, you know, all these wonderful, sweet characters, and then all of a sudden you're in Rock of Ages. <laughs> <laughs> so your range is ridiculous. What, just stepping into that part and just being an entirely different character. Well, how, did, how did you uh, uh, shape that character for yourself? Um, I just really... You know, she's a small town girl, so she was a sweet girl in this in this crazy circumstance. And I felt like uh, the way t- for that show that works best is when the two leads are so real and down to earth. And then everyone else is like mm-hmm. a huge character around them. And um, and so I had a lot of fun. It was really, really fun to sing those songs and to pretend I'm like this pop rock star. Yeah. Uh, the music was really great. And uh, the audience goes bananas, and especially that end, Don't Stop Believing. Uh, but I have my craziest stories from Rock of Ages because the audience was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like the guys who worked um, security, the ushers, they said they threw more people out in one night of Rock of Ages than they had in their entire careers on Broadway. Well, you know, it brought a very different audience. Yeah. They did to see yeah. theater, and I'm sure they had fabulous time. And now they're regular Broadway theater goers, so that's yes, amazing. yes, yeah. You know, one one time, um, half of the audience broke out into a brawl, like <gasps> the entire, and we're just singing on stage, and we look out, and the entire section of the audience is fighting, throwing things. So what'd you do? Did you keep going? Oh, yeah, the show went on. Yeah. <laughs> We watched as the security guards ripped them apart and, you know, <laughs> the show never stopped. Oh, my gosh. That's fabulous. I'm sure the stage door for that show is a little different than the stage door for other shows. I don't remember. I don't remember how crazy the stage door was for that show. 
I think it's, I think it was pretty, pretty similar. You know, they were, I, I don't think it was that huge because people were so drunk. I think they probably <laughs> needed to go home and pass out. <laughs> and, um, you stepped into uh, disaster, which uh, which was so much fun. That you know, you just the parts that you played. I just can imagine, you know, that when I think about you know doing Long Day's Journey in Tonight oh. or something eight times a week. I mean, on stage and so many of the parts that you've had, it just it just seems joyous and fun. And disaster um, just looked like you were having a blast. Yes, yes. We all loved each other so much and everybody made each other laugh all the time. And it was nice because we were all already established pretty much. Mm -hmm. So there were no egos. There was nobody like, oh, I need to get this moment to shine. We were all just like really happy to have a job that we loved. (laughs) (laughs) And we were all happy to let each other have their moment in the spotlight and support each other. Uh, That was a really, really great experience. Uh, the whole uh, going then, I think, to Mean Girls, um, stepping into, again, this just incredible, iconic, known role and, and making it your own um, and really stepping into Tina Fey's shoes. What was that like? That I was very nervous, I will say. Um, I'm friends with Tina. I've been friends with Tina for years. And but having her sit there behind the table, mm. it's like you almost want to do a better job for your friends than a stranger. And especially since she trusted me with, with these parts. Um, But she was very open and supportive in letting me make it my own, which was great. And it was so funny because I, that show, I, I never went back to watch the movie until much, much later. And everyone said I was channeling Tina and I hadn't even watched her at that point. It was just like from memory. And I just was, cha- I just was channeling her, you, you know, it, from knowing her. So that was uh, pretty cool. And, and it was exciting that I got to meet Amy Poehler and she was so nice. And, um, and that, and it was fun that the show is so different from the movie. Yes. That, you know, if I wanted to do the exact port, uh, the exact, uh, caricatures that that they did I wouldn't have been able to because the the scenes and the lines are all so different and also that show that show really reminded me of Hairspray because all these young kids making their Broadway debut over the top it just reminded me it brought that like joy and excitement back to me and I loved being with them all and they included me which was so sweet the love for Beetlejuice uh, and, um, the, the excitement about it. How does that, when, when things are happening around a show, how does that affect your performance? Does that change what you want to bring to the audience? I don't think it changes, you know, we're still doing the, we, we always want to stay true to our director's vision and do the same show. But as the audience started after the album came out and people started becoming like crazy obsessed with the show, the audiences started getting even more insane. Like they were always really good. Our audiences always loved it, always jumped to their feet. But I mean, towards the end, like even the last few months, it was like deafening the sound. And it sounds like a laugh track going on in the audience. Um, So, you know, that just makes it more fun for us. Sure. Because you don't you don't want to be doing a comedy to an audience that doesn't laugh. <laughs> uh, it, and and the more they laugh, the more we're like, oh, we're having fun with you. We're having this experience with you. Sure. And uh, and then I, I just love seeing the creativity that goes into all the kids in the costumes and they're making the costumes themselves. They're sewing and, and painting. I mean, so much fan art. And so I love that it takes people off of their devices. And I bet, I bet Beetlejuice is bringing a whole new audience to Broadway. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Our fans are very young too. We see it's not working, but we see, you know, five-year-olds, six-year-olds singing the songs on TikTok and on internet. I mean, they just all, they love it. Uh, and, and working with all those 
effects and working with a snake and you've worked with plants, you've worked with all sorts of things. What, what was, it, tech must have been incredible on that show to try and, you know, you're falling through floors. What was that like? Um, I would say that is scary. <laughs> it's not, it's not fun. <laughs> the first, I mean, I, I had totally, I'm in a much better place now than I don't know, for the first six months, maybe. But uh, falling through the floor was never fun just because little you're not in control and little things can change it. You have to depend on the other person falling through the floor with you, that they're going to land in the exact same spot and not, you know, kick you in the face or something. And and also you have to just trust that the floor that you're jumping through, that there is going to be something else there to catch you. And so it just, it just is like, a, a, a plays tricks with your mind a little bit. Um, setting your hand on fire, also not particularly fun. Um, <laughs> a little scary. My, it's real fire. Um, I always like worry about setting myself on fire. Uh, <laughs> I can understand that. Well, levitating now is fun. I'm, I'm fine <laughs> with levitating. If when the show came back and they wanted me to go higher, I'd be like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, yeah, I was nervous for you every time I've seen the show. I'm just like very nervous for you. But um, what are the dream roles out there, if there are any left, that you haven't played that you've always dreamed of playing? Well, for sure, any part in Blood Brothers. I always say that. Like, <laughs> I would love to be Miss Johnson in Blood Brothers. I would love to be any any of the parts in Blood Brothers, really. Um, especially since I never, I understudied, understudied and never got to play them. Um, but I don't know. I really, really love creating new work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess, I love Patty Lapone. I love the things that she's done. Um, I would love to, you know, m move into, uh, the things that, that she kind of do. I, I would love to have that kind of career like Angela Lansbury or Patty Lapone where they can. And I love being able to play parts that people don't think of me mm -hmm. as, and that's something that I, I, I am proud of about my career in, in that I've played like a lot of different parts and I haven't, I've been able to break out of about being put in the box and not being an ingenue. Yes. Yes. And so I think I'd just like to continue more with that and surprise people. Well, on top of your extraordinary theatrical career, you are a, uh, a extraordinary podcaster and you shot out oh, canon with breaking Broadway and have a huge following. It's such a successful podcast. Uh, have you like, you know, with all the experience that we've talked about that you had auditioning and all these different circumstances you have, you're giving back so much to all the people who are going through what you went through long ago. So what, what is that like to kind of now be a mentor and a, a teacher for everybody? I, I really love it. I think it's important to give back. And I mean, if I had this podcast when I was younger, it would, I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn and I still had no, not a great sense of the business side of Broadway and what it took to make it. And audition techniques, things like that. So I'm happy to pass it along. And I, I really, really like doing it because I learn something from all the people that I interview and I really try and pick inspirational people. So I have people who aren't interested in Broadway at all that love listening to the podcast <laughs> because they said it's just, you know, um, inspirational and interesting to hear the behind the scenes stories of uh, people in, in this in this world, in our theater world, and what the other jobs are, and and people's paths. So I've liked that, and I, 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 but I, like I said, like I really think, especially like during this time now, if you are not doing anything, it's a great podcast to listen to because it's very hopeful and uplifting, um, and also I think motivates you to uh, create your own work. Absolutely, and for those that don't know, can you just give a, a, a brief overview of what Breaking Broadway is all about? Sure. I try and um, interview people who I think will help people in the business, whether they're just starting out or they've been in it for a long time, because I've learned a lot of things. I learned about YouTube, which I still have not implemented, <laughs> but I learned how, you know, 
if you can't get in a door, go in through a window. And so I try and put people on who are windows and who have made their own way and to give people ideas that you don't have to. It's not just one way of making it and using your gifts. If you have these gifts and you have this passion, how can you use that to fill, fulfill your soul? Um, because everybody isn't going to make it on Broadway, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean you can't have joy and you can't live your passion and that you can't use your gifts to serve. Absolutely. And, and you know, your, your giving back to everybody is just <clears throat> been invaluable for so many people I know who are um, so grateful for what you're doing. So uh, thank you, Carrie. It's been amazing to talk to you. Um, I hope you and your family stay really safe and healthy throughout all this. And everybody who's listening, the second we ramp back up for Broadway, run to Beetlejuice, see it again, because you've probably already seen it, but see it again. And, uh, and everything that's uh, ahead for Carrie. Um, thank you all so much. And Carrie, again, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Deep Dive Broadway, produced by Dory Berenstein, edited by Alan Seals, and special thanks to Bia and Brittany, who are fabulous. You can find me at bpn.fm slash deepdivebroadway. My Instagram is dory.berenstein, which is B-E-R-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Please subscribe and leave lots of fabulous comments, and check out my website at dramaticforces.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.